The Crux of the Matter, Episode 45, Star Wars. Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And this is Professor Scott Stigmeyer. Hello, Scott. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Todd, and yeah, to our listeners. Uh, <clears throat> we had a, a little bit of an unintentional hiatus here in December, but we're uh, we're back at it between sickness and Advent and Christmas and everything else. We just missed a few weeks. Sorry about that, gang. But uh, we're back and should be should be back on schedule here along the way. Do you have a good Christmas, Scott? Yeah, it was very nice. Um, this is kind of your uh, first uh, California Christmas, so miss the snow and all of that. Uh, all that well, stuff is definitely uh, definitely our first Christmas here. Uh, yep. We're in Irvine, and um, but not missing the snow. No, that's actually <laughs> one thing that I don't miss. I I don't mind looking at snow. It can be really pretty in, in uh, photographs, but I I don't enjoy living in snow, and so I'm I'm happy to let that let that go. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that yeah. was uh, my kids miss snow. I don't. It's just. Uh, right. Maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm fine with uh, with not not living in snow. That is okay with me. Anyway, right. we are uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the new uh, the new Star Wars movie after a bit, but uh, we have a bit of catching up to do, I suppose. Um, in terms of teaching, I thought it would be worth mentioning. I I've kind of had most of my classes going, but. Um, some of them have uh, are, have been on break, of course. I thought it would be worth mentioning. We did a uh, a children's Christmas program that Concordia Publishing House produced about ten years ago. Um, it's a Christmas program based on what's called the Quempus Carol, <clears throat> and this is a uh, this is a, a, a sort of an interesting. I'm not even quite sure how to describe it. Kind of hodgepodge Carol that was sort of morphed from two or three different carols that was fairly popular in Germany and uh, it's where the where the children are are in each of the four corners of the room and you know, there's a, a lot of singing and movement and uh, interesting stuff this is developed by uh, pastor Bart Day and by um, a, uh, a teacher named Janet Muth and uh, and it was just really a cool program I'm always and and again, maybe this is just my uh, my curmudgeonness, Scott. But I I want a children's program to actually teach something and proclaim something, and not just be a pageant, and not just be these are a bunch of kids looking cute. So so that's kind of what we uh, what I thought would be worth mentioning here. If our listeners have not run across this one, you can buy it from CPH on uh, on on CD. It'll be in the show notes and stuff. But it's really a well put together program. There's an early childhood version as well as a school age version, and uh, and I like that a lot. So put a lot of energy into that. Or really, my wife put a lot of energy into that. To be fair, she was the director. nice, nice. Okay. So what are you getting ready to teach? I assume you're on break here and haven't been doing much in the way of actual teaching. Yeah, um, Concordia Irvine is on break, and so um, I'm not actually teaching anything. We're just uh, relaxing and recuperating from the past semester, but um, getting ready for next semester and where I'm going to put a lot of my attention. And, you know, of course, I prepare for all my courses that I'm going to teach. But um, one is in particular I'll be focusing my spare time on, and that is my church history class. And so I've been 
brushing up on a few things. Uh, you know, the from my seminary time and my STM studies, my area of focus was early church. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very comfortable with with teaching early church, and I'm very comfortable with teaching the Reformation. But when it comes to say, um, you know, the mid- Middle Ages or some of the early modern period, um, you know, that's going to be a little bit more of a stretch for me. So I'm gonna uh, I'm doing some brushing up, and I'm I'm, I'm polishing off notes <laughs> from old classes that I took. Believe it or wow. not, brushing off the dust. And uh, and putting together some some notes for my for my teaching and, and looking forward to it. A lot. Well, that'll be that'll be fun, and it is kind of a it's a fun challenge to tackle something that you haven't done before or haven't done before in quite that way. Um, it's e- I think it's easy for pastors to get into ruts of okay, these are the sixteen Bible Bible studies that I teach, and so I just kind of cycle through them and stuff. So forcing yeah. yourself to do something new is not a bad thing at all. It's a good thing. No, no, it's, um, you know, like I said, I've had long had an interest in church history, so I'm delighted to be able to teach it. But, um, you know, for me, you know, I'm going to want to spend, where I'm going to struggle is trying to make sure I get everything in because we're doing 20 centuries in just 15 class weeks. And so that's going to be, you know, you have to make choices about what you can talk about, what you don't have time to talk about. And you do that with any class, but with this much, I feel like with this much material, you know, while I would love to spend, you know, several hours talking about Irenaeus, uh, you know, I'm going to have to hit him in 10 minutes and then just, and move to the next church father. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, Hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Have you ever seen that uh, or, or heard that or heard that program called Bible in an Hour? Are you familiar with that? Ah, uh, no, I don't. Yeah, this was out, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, something like that. It was basically a uh, an overview of the Bible video that was that was done in an hour. You need to have a church history in an hour so you can just right. do the whole thing. Just do that in the first session and then you can talk about whatever you want. Because you'll have covered it. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. That. Actually, <laughs> actually, there is a nice little book. I think it's by um, Yusto Gonzalez, who's written a lot on, on right, lots you of know, church, church history. history right, right. Textbooks, actually. Well, he's got like a 100-page survey, a 100-page summary of all of church history <laughs> that I actually really did think about using as my – okay, well, first we're going to do this because this way you can see the forest. Right. And then we'll spend the next several weeks talking about all the trees. But, you know, to give you the big picture, I thought about doing that. I opted not to because there's, I just went another direction, but um, similar thinking there. Hmm. Funny, funny, funny. So, uh, this being New Year's Day as we're recording and, uh, and us, and us being in a somewhat relaxed mode, we thought it would be worthwhile to, uh, spend a little bit of time talking about Star Wars. Um, and and I'm going to warn everybody and say we are going to have spoilers in this. So I will uh, sound the spoiler horn here, and then um, and then we will uh, we will definitely uh, definitely talk a little bit about the uh, the plot of the movie, etc. But uh, when did you see the original Star Wars, Scott. Do you did you see it in the theater? You know, whenever that was I, not quite forty years ago. Do you remember? Oh yeah, I remember very well. I was um I was in third grade. Yep. And it was the last day of school. 
and my mom and dad came and picked me up because I think it started. I think it started in like May, right? I think the I think May nineteen seventy seven. Yep. And my mom and dad came picked me up from school last day, and they didn't tell me where we were going. I had no idea what we were going to do, and they drove me downtown Kansas City, where there was still one of those old fashioned movie palaces with like maybe two or three screens, but they're awesome. just enormous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the theater is no longer there, but it was in 1977 and we went in there and we, you know, it was set in front of this enormous screen and the Dolby stereo sound and everything. Right. And it blew my mind. You know, yep. it was, it, it is one of the most, you know, if I will, if I can use this word important uh, movie-going experiences in my life is yeah. seeing Star Wars. Yeah, me too. Me too. I remember, uh, obviously, at the same same time, I was in second grade, and uh, and going to uh, and going to see it. I'm I'm quite sure that it was the first movie I had seen in a movie theater, um, and going to see it in Aurora, Colorado. We were living in huh. uh, we were living in Colorado, just outside Denver at the time. Going to see it with my mom. I don't remember why my dad wasn't there. He was probably on a business trip or something. Um, or maybe watching my sister, who would have been about eight months old at that time. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was that was a, a, a absolutely formative kind of experience of a, of yeah. a movie. And I mean, and that's that's sort of one of the things about Star Wars that's always struck me is that it's just over the top. It just makes. No bones about saying this is this you know this is the the galactic story. This is the right. story of of the of of the salvation of the human race. <laughs> I mean, basically, mm-hmm. um, and and I've always kind of appreciated that they don't try to uh, uh, underplay it or anything. They're just sort of we're going to go for broke and say that this is this is it. <laughs> And and that's always been kind of a kind of fun to me, and and that was sort of my experience in seeing Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Was I uh, I felt like I had uh, stepped into a time machine and had been transported back thirty eight years to going to see Star Wars with my mom. It was it was a bizarre experience. I was there with my oldest daughter and my son, uh, and the other two, inexplicably to me, Scott wanted to go see the Peanuts movie. <laughs> so, well, you, some people are going to go that route. That's okay. I guess so. God bless them. But uh, <laughs> but it, it, and it was just an an epic experience in that way was that I, I felt like it in a way that that the prequels never did that that this was that this was a a return to my childhood which was was just really kind of amazing frankly um it was uh it, it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun so it was good you know so you liked it I did I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, um, don't, yeah. And, I mean, and and I you got to give J.J. Abrams props because I think it's fair to say that there were more expectations put into this movie than have ever been put into any movie, <laughs> or way up there. You know, just the the prequels by by most people's 
uh, estimation were so bad. You had all of these, all you know, this generation of people that are our age, basically, that that have this irrational emotional attachment to Star Wars, and and are just sitting in this theater praying, "Don't screw it up! Don't screw it up! Don't screw it right, up!" Right, right, right. Um, and then you've got all of these other people that you know they don't know Star Wars from a hole in the wall. And uh, and and how do you kind of satisfy that? Actually, have a plot that makes sense and move it forward. And yeah, it was. Uh, uh, so it was. I think that it was a it was a very tricky thing, and it's not perfect, not by any stretch. But uh, but yeah, I thought it was good. What'd you think? Well, I, I'll tell you. Um, first on the prequels, um, I. I think the first one was just terrible. Yeah. And I think the second one, um, so, so Phantom Menace, I thought was terrible. Then the clones movie I thought was better, but, uh, just really badly, badly hindered by the poor acting wooden performance, yep. you yep. know, of Hayden Christensen as, as Anakin yeah. Skywalker, and the, your lead actor, you know, your lead, your most important role. And you get this, just terrible performance. I have seen him in other movies since yeah. then, and he's actually – he can act. He's not a bad actor. But that movie, I, I don't know what it is. There's something just – chemistry, whatever. It just was terrible. Uh, although I, I like some of the effects and the battle scenes and Yoda sure. and all that. And um, and the third one I thought was the best of the three. But you're right. The, you know, they, they were disappointing for a lot of reasons. And so this one was, um, you know, a, a welcome, welcome relief to see that, first of all, like you said, he, I don't think Abram screwed it up. Um, I definitely think that he, um, he, he got the spirit of the thing. I, I do have some criticisms. Uh, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's without, without uh, some flaws. Right. Um, but, you know, some of that is just because of high expectations um, and, and some of it, some of my criticisms are because, well, you know what, you know, it, it, I didn't have the same experience you did. I didn't feel like I was third grade in third grade again, although I enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, I, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a great movie. Um, and I thought it was a pretty good, darn good star Wars movie. Yep. Um, but you know. I, I, I still am, I'm, there's a few reasons why I'm still kind of waiting for the, um, that, that nostalgic experience that uh, didn't quite get it. It wasn't quite there for me. Yeah. Well, and, and of course a part of it for me, each person's experience is going to be different. Part of it for me, as you know, is that my mother passed away 11 years ago. And so right. going right. to see that movie with my mom, who is now, who is now gone, uh, <clears throat> that was, that, that definitely changed the, uh, the whole thing. And I was completely surprised by that. I was not expecting that that, that interaction at all on my on my part. Um, now uh, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of about one hundred and seventy eight thousand reviews of Star Wars that are out there now. So I don't think right. we need to go through the the plot and the and 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 kind of all of that. I mean, we can do that if you want, Scott. But in my mind, that's that's not. Um, I, I don't. 
I don't feel the need to do that. I think there are plenty of places, and we can put a few uh, a few of those in uh, a few of those in the show notes, I suppose, um, of of what I think at least are good are good reviews. But um, and I agree that there are definitely some criticisms of it. What I think is interesting, and has always this has always been the case with kind of the Star Wars universe, is how am I to interact with this world as a Christian? What is my kind of <clears throat> understanding of this of this as a Christian? Because in sort of typical – and I don't even think it's fair to call Star Wars science fiction. It's almost science fantasy. I mean because it, it, it crosses some lines there. Um, between the between sort of science and the fantastical, I mean, it it I think it reads much more like like fantasy than it does science fiction, frankly. But um, well, I would I would agree with you in, in science fiction. So much of the focus is on the science, right? And here, there's it, there on really the what isn't. What if this happened or something? Yeah. I mean, it's you, you compare Star Trek, you know, right. Star Trek, where so much of it is about you know you know the the warp drive and the, you know, tractor beams and the yep. photons, you know, and data, the Android, right. you've got, you've got the elements in star Wars too, but it, I, you know, it, it doesn't try to explain it. Um, you know, it, 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 and it presents sort of a metaphysical element too. Right. You've got the force and yeah. despite the, you know, the bizarro midichlorian thing from the prequels, right. It is right. still essentially a, a mystic experience in some way. And it's another. more important than the science. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it's far more important, you know, because you don't defeat you don't defeat the enemy with superior weaponry. You defeat the enemy with the power of the force. Right. And so so the emphasis is is on that element much more so than you would in a normal science fiction. Right. Well, and in this way, uh, the whole interaction and understanding of the Force uh, is, it, you know, is it a straight retelling of good versus evil? You know, light side versus dark side of the Force. Um, is it uh, is it more of a yin and yang thing where where these two are 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 kind of are equal and are constantly in tension with one another? Um, is it so? So does it? You know, does it come across almost as karma? Um, it, it. I mean, you get elements where the dark side clearly is portrayed as evil, right? You've got you know murder, mayhem, death, and there's definitely a sense of temptation. But uh, but one of the things that I most enjoyed about the Force Awakens was the kind of the reversal you saw. Uh, in Kylo Ren, you know Kylo Ren, uh, Han and Leia Solo's son, uh, who is uh, you know who is kind of the ultimate fanboy for Darth Vader, um, and and that for him he is tempted by the light side of the Force, <laughs> not the dark side, and so there's this kind of weird reverse temptation that goes on there. So uh, I mean, and I think of this, and maybe it's maybe it's partly because uh, because of you know, we live in such an evangelical world too. But do you, does the Christian look at this and and think, you know, this is all just this is all just bunk and maybe violating the second commandment, and uh, we should go and read our Bibles instead or do something useful? 
I don't know. I can I can well I don't personally subscribe to that. I can resonate with the understanding that this is presenting a worldview that is not Christian. Right. And and I would compare it and contrast it with say the Lord of the Rings. Sure. In the Lord of the Rings, because I think the Force is basically it's just George Lucas's version of magic. Yeah, you know it's it's sorcery. It's you know it's in, inexplicable. They try to you're right in the prequels. They try to give it a scientific explanation, which I think was a total fail. And I think most most fans agree um, that the Force really needs to be left as a shall I say spir- a spiritual yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, and you know, in in uh, in Lord of the Rings, I think the good and the evil are much clearer. While there is, there are elements in which you see the dark side of the Force as evil. I think the Star Wars and maybe especially the prequels, but I think to some extent they try to redeem. You know, I mean, they try to show that this guy's not all bad. You right. know, he's not all bad. And whereas in the Lord of the Rings, you know, you know, Sauron, there's there's no he's bad. <laughs> he's there's no question. Right. Yeah. There is no question. Whereas when, you know, they try to explain, well, the reason Anakin turned dark was because he loved his wife. And, right. you know, and, and who can really fault him for that? You know, so, I mean, there, it's different in how it treats dark and, and light, darkness and light, and how it treats good and evil um, than, say, other fantasy or classic fantasy things. Um, and, and probably more in line with Eastern religions. Yeah. Um, that that they're you know they're all they're just two sides of the same coin. Yeah, it's always struck me as interesting, and I think this was true in the original trilogy as well. Is you do have that you know I can I can save him. There's still good in him. Nobody mm-hmm. ever says there's still good in the emperor. That's interesting. Yeah, you know right. I mean He's there's an, a, yeah. now is the reason for that simply a kind of cheap plot device, or is that? Is that because he's irredeemable, you know, and and or is that is that simply well we don't know him. If we knew his story, if we knew why he had turned to the dark side, maybe we could. Yeah, I, I don't know. There, I've I've always felt like the interaction with the Force was was also a uh, a strange tension between free will and predestination. Basically, it is your destiny, you know, that yes, kind of yes. that kind of stuff. Um, and 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 what what interests me particularly is how does this or how can this um, mess with a Christian worldview? And speaking as a you know a lifelong diehard Star Wars fan, how mm-hmm. how does this uh, you know, this is not this is not. Um, this is not the Chronicles of Narnia. This is not Tolkien. This is a uh, um, and and so how does this shape or or challenge a Christian worldview? That I think is a really interesting, tough question. At least for me. Well, I think that yes, you're right, and and you know, and I just finished saying that the way that um, Star Wars treats the Force is more akin to. Eastern yeah. religions. Yeah. I just finished saying that, but I. But at the same time, I think the <clears throat> average viewer still just plugs in the simple good and evil. Right. It, we just plug it into that, and that's why we don't. You know, we we get we get we want to distance ourselves from the prequels because it 
I think it blurred that. Um, you know, I think it, it tried to build Anakin as a sympathetic character in a way. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're much more comfortable when it's just good and evil, light and dark. Sure. And I think the fans like – I think that's the average viewer still just plugs it into sort of a traditional Judeo-Christian good and evil mindset. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I mean I think that it – I think that it could. And, you know, I think it could interfere with sort of a Christian worldview. But I don't know that it actually does for the average viewer. Yeah. Yeah, you could be – you could be right. I mean and at some point is it is it just a good yarn? And um and and you don't want to you don't want to mess it up or read read too much into it, basically. Well, you know, it's kind of like learning physics. Okay, you learn physics first. You learn the Newtonian physics, where you know there are laws of motion and the world is just kind of operates like a machine. But then you learn Einsteinian physics, and you start to learn that well, actually, no, everything's random, and you know there is no. Um, you know, these laws don't, they defy expectations, right. but we, they bend, can't, they break, right. they, they don't right. always apply in the ways we think they should. But when you norm, but when you live your normal life, you don't live according to Einstein, you still live according to Newton. You know, even though we may know certain things, we live as if Newton's theories are true. Mm. <laughs> they are in a, in a macro way. Right. And, um, and so I think even though we may know that we may know that the force is kind of an Eastern mystical yin and yang, um, we just plug it into the worldview we already have, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and so, which is probably why it's such a great story is that everyone yeah, sure. can, can sort of apply their own, their own personal morality <laughs> their own personal worldview into this story and and say okay so yeah i remember uh, you know cuz the other interest another interesting one of these kind of mega stories that we've had in this generation of course is harry potter yeah right and <clears throat> and and i remember i bet it was 15 years ago close to 15 years ago that I was on a, a discussion panel at the local university in Kenosha where uh, I, I was on a discussion panel with a witch and a stoic. <laughs> okay? okay. all And all three of us, you know, me probably the least of the three, all three of us are arguing that Harry Potter represents uh, our worldview. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that, this sounds like a great intro to a joke. You know, it a is. Stoic, a exactly. A, a Christian, a Stoic, a and a witch, witch walk into a bar. <laughs> and, but it was, it was really fascinating to hear how each one of these people, you know, you've got the, you've got the witch that's, um, that's talking about how, uh, how Potter has to learn how to, to harness his inner, his inner power, his inner God, and in order to, you know, and you've got the Stoic that's essentially talking about en- endurance in the face of persecution and and the the need to be steadfast. And it was a it was a really interesting discussion, and it highlighted for me how unclear so much of the the narrative, so many of the stories of our day are when it comes to talking about redemption and kind of the big worldview. And that's why it's fantasy. It's a different yep. universe. You know, it's not, you know, it is a different universe where things, where the laws are different, the rules are different. And, um, and if we have to, I think as Christians, I think we can be comfortable with um, letting the imagination roam a little 
and um, without necessarily thinking that it has to be, um, you know, exactly aligned with the small catechism. You know, sure. I mean, it, we're just we're just letting our imagination roam here a little bit. Now, there can be a danger in that. I mean, there, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that 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 stories don't have consequences because I think that they do, but um, you know, I think that. I think there can be ambiguity. I think there's 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 room for that in storytelling. Sure, sure. No, I agree. And uh, it will be very interesting to see where things um, where things move in the uh, in the in the upcoming in the upcoming episodes. That's for sure. Um, now, are you one of these guys that has read? Do you read the books and the comic books, the canonical literature that goes along with the well I, movies? I, I've kind of gone gone back and forth on that. I read a lot of the the expanded universe stuff maybe 10 years ago, something like that. So I kind of know a lot of those stories which are now no longer canonical. They're no longer – you know, <clears throat> Disney has made clear that they're, they don't consider those stories to be true or real and so they're going into – Determinative to their narratives. Right. So it will – but they're they're kind of taking – they're, they are going to clearly going to take from it what they want. Um, you know, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren is uh, is from the expanded universe. I mean, that's that's one of the one of the narratives in that whole series is is Han and Leia have a son named Ben who becomes a Jedi and blah blah blah. So so they're taking something from it, but not mm-hmm. much, at least not yet. We'll see what else they take from it. Well, and I, I just wondered how much that would affect your experience of this film. Yeah, because I'm not familiar with a lot of that literature. I'm I'm unfamiliar with it, and um, so I'm I'm seeing the film perhaps differently than someone who knows some of that background. And I don't know how much that backstory informs right. the experience of this. Movie. Yeah, I I think I think it's a little bit, but my impression is not much. After okay. you know, I, I and I I certainly have not read all of it or even most of it, but I've read a, a fair amount, I'll say. But it was a while back. Now, one of the other interesting things on it that I that I think will we'll see kind of how it develops in the next two or three movies or however many movies there are is does Disney use this franchise as a as a means to further social agendas? You know, right? Are we going to see a, a a gay character? Are we going to you know? Are we going to are we going to see, you know, transgenderism? You know what what social what social uh, social morals are there? Are they going to try to tackle? Because Disney does have a pretty a pretty steady history of doing that in 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 many of their films. So uh, so that's that's a part of what I am nervous about in the years to come. Is that I don't want I don't want to see the whole thing kind of derailed because of whatever the social social justice or perceived social justice issue of the day is. Well, I, I agree. I hate when I, you know, there's always some, you know, even with Lucas, I mean, he, he's got little messages he's trying to con- convey. Sure. And, you you know, you see, you know, the, like the, the scene, I think it was in um, the third of the prequels where Anakin is fighting with um, – um, with, with Kenobi one, right? Yes, and the line where you know only the Sith deals in absolutes, right. 
and you know there are little little message lines throughout you know little messages so it's it's done that all i think all movies do that but you're right i would hate to see this be derailed by some kind of sexual politics that would be particularly disturbing because it really hasn't done that no it hasn't this has been you know this has been there you know sex is not part of this no you know not really um, it, not really i mean there's a little bit of hint at romance but um uh, I mean, there's some romance in the prequels, I guess, but <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about, it. but you know, at I least with the, the yeah, the original trilogy and with this movie, you know, you don't, you know, yes, the, one of the protagonists now is female or one, you know, right. you know, the Luke character, I suppose is, um, is a young woman, but I didn't, I, I didn't get the impression that it was promoting some kind of a social agenda with that. Um, I thought she, I thought she did quite well. I was a good yeah. character. I have some again. I have some criticisms, but um, about about her and about about the, but not because she's female. Right. No, I agree. And <clears throat> it's more just a. Uh, I've got a bad feeling about this <laughs> down the road. Yeah, than, sure. Than anything else, I didn't. I didn't feel like there was a lot of a lot of that in mm-hmm. in the uh, in the movies and. As you as you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of different things, and it's interesting that in many of the science fiction podcasts and these sort of things that I listen to, they are all about there being a social agenda, and they want there to be more of a social agenda. I know a lot more, not the other way around, and uh, and so while while you know everybody applauded. Um, applauded the uh, Ray as a character. They wanted there to be wanted there to be more. So mm-hmm. that I, I don't know. I, I just think that'll be real interesting to see how that plays out in the future. Now, does do you know does does Ray factor into the um, the extra film literature? No, not at all. Totally new okay. character. Because there, there are things about her that I just don't get, and I think that they're, you know, like how does she know to use the Jedi mind trick on the guard right. that she right. does? How does she know to do that? Uh, that that just struck me as a little yep. out of place. I mean, well, she wasn't instructed. Uh, and, and there are lots of um, heaven knows there are lots of theories on that. Um, one of the, I, I think, the most compelling theory on that that I've read is that there is a. A flash in that in the in the uh, lightsaber force flashback flash forward thing of um, of Kylo Ren uh, and uh, killing children at mm-hmm. the Jedi Temple that that Luke had set up and I and you're certainly going to have plenty of people that are going to argue that she was one of those children that she had undergone early training. Okay. As See, that's Jedi. what I'm wondering. I'm As wondering right. if the literature and, gave into that. Okay. Well, I mean, and that and that's not from any extra extra literature. She's a completely new character. Um, but that's just from what's what's in the movie itself. And I'm sure that we will hear so many theories about that in the next two years. So uh, yeah, and and that that I kind of liked that there is a lot of there are a lot of doors that were opened in this movie that they didn't go through. That mm-hmm. are just kind of, well, who are Finn's parents? You know, what the, everything mm-hmm. around her, you know, what, uh, oh yeah, there are, I mean, there are a thousand questions and, and some, yeah. and if this, if this was a self contained movie, they would make me insane. 
I mean, those mm-hmm. are clearly, okay, here's a path we can take for a movie and here's a path we can take for a movie. And here's a – I mean, it was – to some degree, the whole thing felt like a setup for a franchise. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is the centerpiece in the game and now you can go in all of these different directions. I, I think I'm going to need to see it again just to catch some of that. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to see it at least – at least once more, maybe a couple times. We'll see. But we've been uh, going on here for a while, so we should probably move along, okay. I expect. Okay. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at thecruxofthematter.net slash podcast slash 45. I would encourage you to uh, uh, to write us or uh, contact us through Twitter, through the webpage, however you like. You can write us at feedback at thecruxofthematter.net. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, uh, I'm particularly interested if you have any uh, thoughts or have read anything any or anyone that has done a good critique of this movie from a Christian perspective. Um, I think that could be uh, – that would be very interesting. But uh, whatever your thoughts are on that, we'd love to hear it. And we definitely would love to hear what are some of the topics you would like to see us cover in the uh, weeks and months to come. Because because uh, we're kind of rolling into a new year here, and we got a lot of things to do, so that's a uh, that's a that'll be a good thing. Well, it it seems to me, Scott, like the obvious direction for us to go on what's bringing you joy is: Did you get anything fun for Christmas, <laughs> or anything <laughs> that you particularly liked for Christmas? Um, I'll let you think about that for a moment, and I will go first. Um, okay, you go first. <clears throat> Yeah, and uh, probably the the thing that I was most looking forward to and got and got for Christmas was a uh, uh, was a tripod for my camera. As you probably know, I'm kind of a photography fanatic, and I'm constantly fiddling with things. And I always go back and forth on trying to get something cheap versus get something that's good. And and I and that kind of the one thing that I had uh, hoped to get this Christmas and did was a. Uh, was a tripod that's that's portable that that's very well made that should last for twenty years, etc. Yes. And uh, yes. and that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope to do a lot more photography in this uh, in this coming year uh, as sort of one of my get out of my get out of my office hobbies along the way. So that was a that was a lot of fun. I'll put a I'll put a link to the one I got in the show notes. So nice. nice. Did you get anything well, fun so for s- Christmas? Yeah, Santa Claus was good to me. My wife knows me so well. You know, it's funny. Yes. Um, so she gave me books. <laughs> she did give me some books and she gave me some clothes and all that. But um, have you ever heard of civet coffee? Uh-uh. Civet? You know what a civet is? It's like a it's like a mongoose or some kind of an animal. I don't know okay. what it is actually. No, never heard it. Okay, well, c- civet coffee is coffee beans that have been eaten and ingested by civets and then excreted. And then ground and brewed. <laughs> you are making that up. No Look way. Look it up, dude. Look it up. <laughs> this is supposed. To, I ordered this. I asked her to. I didn't order it. I asked. I asked for it for Christmas. So I have right. a. I have a pound of civet coffee. I have not brewed it yet. I'm not, I think I'm you not may need to bring yet. some of that along next weekend. I will. I will. It's supposed to be the most exquisite coffee, the most gourmet coffee there is. Is civet? Look it up. It, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> So that was that was one of the fun gifts, but uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That is, uh, uh, you know, there are. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to ruin our rating on uh, 
on on iTunes for uh, language, but uh, there are a lot of phrases that really come to mind with that, Scott. Yeah. That uh, hmm, we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. So civet yeah, coffee, huh? Fun. That's, uh, coffee, yeah. that's a, a very interesting turn of events, I would say. <laughs> so you so, weren't expecting that. I was not expecting that. <laughs> One of the fun things okay. that we gave to our kid was uh, my oldest daughter is uh, is kind of a, a a book fanatic, and is you know all she asked for for Christmas really was were books. My wife found a, a gold mine at our at our local. Uh, it's called Eco Thrift. It's basically like a Goodwill, and she found. I think about 20 pounds worth of books for for her, you know, like Norton anthologies, literature, just everything under the sun. And so we right. gave about 20 pounds worth of books to Renata, which was really hilarious. That um, is awesome. So a girl after my own heart for sure. And, uh, and you know, there were fountain pens and all sorts of other fun things. So well, it's a good time uh, definitely. You know, so you have any uh, final words of wisdom for the uh, for the new year for our dear listener, Scott? Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, just thanks for listening. And uh, like Todd said, we'd love to hear from you and know what what topics you want us to address. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for being a loyal fan, and uh, look to enjoy 2016. Absolutely. And with that note, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>